All right. Purple elephant shower thought of the day. This is a on-the-spot shower thought. Uh, do you ever uh, think about how if elephants are afraid of mice, then uh, wh- who are mice afraid of? Like little amoeba? And now we're going on to another shower thought improvised. Um, okay, yeah, I, I got it. Sh- okay, um, you purple elephant shower thought. Um, you ever think about that um, all fruits wear clothes? And one more. <laughs> uh, and for the last purple elephant shower thought of the day, I'm just going to say that if like 99% of the world uh, instantly went like black and white colorblind, would they keep making stuff in color or like even for the people that still have color vision, would you still be watching black and white TV or color TV? Whoa. This is purple elephant radio where we hear about storytelling, originality and creativity from the creators who are actually making something matter. I'm your host, Sean Green. Okay, so this week I am with two, one former improv president at Mizzou and one current improv president at Mizzou. Whoa, I forgot about that for some reason. And even though this season's um, topic is teachers, I figure why not spice it up with teaching improv and this episode, you're not going to necessarily learn improv. You just have to do it to learn it. But we're going to be talking about improv, and this is going to be an improvised episode. So everything about this is improv, improv, improv. Hey, guys. I've really fallen in love with the medium of podcasting. And I finally feel comfortable to where I want to ask for your support. So in the description... And in all the descriptions following this episode, I'm going to start putting a link for a spot for you to donate a small monthly amount of either a buck, five bucks, or ten bucks a month. Now, this money is going to help the podcast grow. It's going to show me that this is worth my time. And because this is for creators by a creator, I would hope that you can see that I'm doing this so I can sustain the act of creating. So if you really like this podcast, if you want to support the show, go down in the description, click the link to chip in a small amount to support the show. Thanks. And I'll start with just having the two people introduce themselves, starting with Connor. Hi, um, uh, my name's Connor Hills, and I was the president of MU Improv from uh, 20... May 2017 to May 2019, I believe. I was a two-term president, and I've done improv for about eight years now, taught it for about five. Don't know if I was qualified for a lot of that, but (laughs) I I love doing it, and I want to keep doing it, and uh, have been doing it ever since I started. And I'm also with Jono. Yeah, hi. uh, I'm Jono Carey. Uh, I am the current MU Improv president, and I'm also the captain of another improv team, which is uh, Comedy Wars at Mizzou. Um, But yeah, I've been doing, I've taken improv classes like on and off. I think I took my first one in like seventh grade, and then I did it a little bit through high school. And um, yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's, it's it's the funnest extracurricular most fun extracurricular thing that i do yeah well i think that's a good kicking off point with like starting so young did you guys ever have like stage fright in any sense of the word because i know for me personally like i didn't start doing improv until college and that was a big hurdle of like getting over the fear of not being prepared to perform something did you guys ever go through that 
Um, I will, I will say for me personally, I don't necessarily think this is normal or maybe it's because I'm broken in some fashion, but I've never had stage fright ever in my life. Um, in fact, in about fifth grade, I, well, I guess there's a couple things, but I think the main thing is in fifth grade, I emceed the talent show (laughs) for our elementary school. And we did that. And I went up and I like, when we actually had the show, I was like, oh, wow, this is the best. I like, truly, this is my favorite thing I've ever done. And like, it gives me energy. Like I get excited to go on stage and perform in front of people, but I'm not, I'm not nervous. I feel, I almost feel more comfortable performing and doing stuff on a stage than I do necessarily just having a random conversation with a stranger. Like I just, I feel very in control on the stage of my actions and I think it gives me power. So I, I, I don't like, I, I don't get scared. I usually get excited. That's really, what about you, Jenna? I, I think I kind of have a very similar thing going. Um, in like, you know, my brother and I, we've done like the talent show and stuff. Uh, if you've ever seen Drake and Josh, uh, in the third grade, we did the soul man dance routine complete with fedoras and suits. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did like theater in high school and stuff. I've always kind of liked being on stage and kind of just like the performance arts in general. Um, I think that was a fun thing that Connor said where it's like almost he feels more comfortable like in front of a lot of people on stage than like talking one-on-one with a stranger. And I think I like really get that just because it's like, I don't know, I feel like when 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 I go on stage and I'm like about to like do improv or do something, there's just kind of this nice sense of like, ah, fuck it all. Like, you know, I have I have absolutely nothing to lose right now. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go out and have fun. And it's almost like there's so many people that like, oh, it doesn't matter. Seeing someone one on one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I get that with like stand up. If I like have told someone I I do stand up, they're like, "Oh, do a joke." I'm like eh, that's it's oh. uncomfortable. It, it's like it's better that. to do it in front of forty strangers than one person I who's like my aunt. <laughs> like I don't want to do it like that. Um, okay, but I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I had to do improv in front of a, at a family reunion once um, because like my aunt was like, "Oh, Connor does." improv (laughs) we're gonna make we're gonna have you and three of your distant relatives who don't want to be here do an improv set in front of 75 of your closest relatives and it was truly it was truly one of the worst things that's ever happened to me (laughs) (laughs) well that's a good uh transition because one of the things that i wanted to talk about just with talking about an improv only episode is when it comes to like improv comedy why is it kind of the like butt of the joke for so many things college related like before i even you know when you like watch stuff about college when you're in high school like college movies and um college tv shows it's like uh in the improv team and that's like the big joke do you guys (laughs) did you guys ever notice that like when you were younger oh yeah i feel like there's um well, I feel like, and I mean, this is probably like a pretty lame reference, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, as a person who's done improv all four years of college, um, being in it and like being a part of it feels like how I would have imagined the people who do acapella music in Pitch Perfect feel. <laughs> like some people just get like so into it and it's like all they do. And you're just kind of like, oh, okay, okay. I don't know. It's like it's like its own little world. That's probably true for like any club or like fraternity or sorority or whatever. But it's just such a funny basis for like. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to imagine. So a lot of media is full of like, especially a lot of comedy stuff is full of people who did like college improv, and a lot of people who are TV writers have some sort of like base paint of like improv and like i i'm sure you can remember but it's like like college improv is a lot of people's first time doing something and you've just seen it and it can just be the like the cringiest thing you've ever seen it just the the scale of good improv to bad improv is like such a large one um 
and you just really there's it's so unplanned that a lot of people are just really putting themselves out there and when you do that completely um there's a risk that you can expose yourself but it's definitely a trope in media i'll yeah. agree <laughs> well yeah because i think uh when someone who has never experienced improv and they never have any intention of performing it, they just kind of watch it, especially like a, a college show. They might think, whoa, this is this is God awful. But, yeah, I don't think many people have seen like professional improv. And now there's like uh, the Netflix special. So maybe people are kind of getting a, a little bit more of a taste for it. But before that, I feel like it was all just like I had no idea what improv was except maybe seeing it intentionally poorly done on some tv show and i think that was part of the like fear of like why i never wanted to do it at first was just oh my god this is this is like where's the the fun where's the excitement in it but now that i'm in it i can see how how intense and fun it is like you just get into a zone Mm -hmm. oh yeah um i'm just curious because you guys both did comedy wars versus like regular or long form improv. Um, if one of you just wants to briefly explain the difference, which they're pretty self-explanatory, but then maybe explain which one you like more or which, what has its upside, what has its downside to both of those? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so comedy wars is short form improv and MU improv is long form. And basically the the easiest definition like difference between those is short form is just a lot of a lot of games. It's just a, like a lot of short games. Each game probably lasts like five minutes max, you know, and you just kind of go through a lot of stuff. It's a lot more about um, just kind of like getting out a bunch of jokes and it's a lot more relaxed because there's a lot less planning that has to go into it. There's like, a you don't really have to be as witty and you don't really have to be as like, I don't know, you, you don't have to be as like really careful. Like you can say like a one-liner joke that could ruin the scene, but it was funny to say it. And then you just end the scene right there. But with long form improv, with MU improv, um, it's like, there's, there's just one scene that you do. And that can be anywhere from like 15 to 20 to like 30 minutes. And you're basically making up like a short one act play, like on mm-hmm. the spot. And so anytime you do long form, you know, it's like you have to be careful of like what character you're creating, what their backstory is, how they relate to other characters, the environment you're interacting with to actually try to make like a cohesive narrative, you know, and it's a lot harder to make like a cohesive narrative, like interesting, like play off the top of your head than it is to say like two dick jokes in a row and then <laughs> switch to the next game, you know? Yeah, I agree. It's definitely like the improv being like a play, like long form. And it, that's like, that's, um, it's like, it, it's, they're both really satisfying. One isn't necessarily inherently like better than the other, mm-hmm. but it's like um, the short form improv is like microwave, like chicken nuggets um you like you love chicken nuggets you know they taste good they taste so good you know exactly how to make them you pop them in the microwave and you know what you're gonna get and that makes it it's a lot like it's a lot safer you have like guardrails um but with with long form it's more like you are like baking like you have ingredients a set of ingredients but you don't have like you're not like following a recipe or anything like that so that maybe it's more just like um short form is like cooking with a recipe and uh, improvise is like you trying to come up with something on your own like you you have to know and understand things a little better with long form um, because you're trying to like you're trying to craft something new whereas you're working within a set of rules on a recipe in short form and that that usually makes it it's a lot funnier the highs and lows of good and bad improv are a lot a lot you know they're a lot better with short form than they are with long form just because it's a little it's a little safer but it can be a little less exciting than stumbling upon like some really great thing that you could only make by like just tossing stuff together yeah yeah because i definitely think like long form improv if you're doing like a montage of just maybe a cohesive set that's lasting 10 to 15 minutes then you can like really 
build on the same joke. Like what there's that, I think Johnny, you're the one that told me about this, but like digging up six foot hole instead of yeah. like a lot of little holes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's the big difference between the way I see it from short form and long form is with short form, you're doing like a lot of little one liners, but in long form, you can hit on the same joke and really like dig out every funny bit from it. And that's, that's why I prefer long form. That said, I am not on the uh, comedy wars, but I like being able to hit on the same joke and like build a cohesive play, like you said, Jono, but it's also hilarious at the same time. It's not just like a serious, serious thing. And I think that's the other topic I want to transition into is because, Jono, you have theater experience and, I mean, Connor, you have performing experience in general, but... I did a play in high school. Okay. (laughs) Single. When it comes to... (laughs) I did a a musical in eighth grade, but I I don't think I'll ever do that again. But when it comes to performing (laughs) comedy versus something like a a play or maybe a, a serious short film, when it comes to performing something that's funny, how might that be different? Just in both of your eyes, if you're going to perform something, you're like, I know that I have to be serious and dramatic versus I know I have to, or maybe you don't know you have to be funny, but you know, it's going to be a funny thing. Um, I don't know if I'm phrasing that well enough, but what's the mindset difference when you're going to perform something funny versus serious? I think, I think the big thing is like, it's so strange, but you, you, it's, you can't like go into the mindset of stuff like, oh, I'm trying to be funny. Cause like, I don't know if that is the right mindset. I think a lot of people approach comedy and approach improv with that mindset of I'm going to be funny. But when you try and do that, you end up I just trying to replicate things you've seen from other people and it usually doesn't end up working, but it's more of addressing. It's like, um, um, it's more of like trying to be authentic and, like it's more it's really just like in the same way where dramatic acting is like usually it perceived as exploring like bad or like hard or difficult emotions you're just equally trying to examine authentic real emotions that are like maybe on the lighter side or or, or come from like discomfort or um the like dissonance of everyday life like you're just, you're basically just trying to like with comedy, I feel like you're just trying to hold something up and be like, look at this, look at this thing. We all look at how strange is this? And you're kind of like presenting that you're not going in with like, it's, it, it usually isn't funny when you go in with the idea of like, um, be funny or make this funny. I don't know. It's so hard to say, but like, I can, at least that's I, where I find myself at. Yeah. I completely agree that, um, if you go into like an improv set with like the sentiment or the sentiment in your mind of I'm going to be funny, that's probably like one of the worst things you can yeah, do. That's your death and, sentence. I that's when you <laughs> come off as like annoying to most people. I, 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 I will say there are funny words. Oh yeah. Um, I think that is, it's like a scientific fact. There are words and sounds that are funnier, but as far as like, approaching like structure ideas it's it's all about being as authentic as possible and not just like and not being as funny as possible yeah i'm glad you guys both hit on that point because uh i did an interview with ben uh a while back and he had talked about how like when it came to acting like doing a funny scene it's the person who's in that scene they think it's the most serious possible thing they're trying their best but if the situation is ridiculous or whatever, they're trying to solve a problem that they can't solve, but they're kind of ignorant to the fact that they don't have the resources. They're not self-aware enough, and that can be the humor in their own seriousness. And I think that's kind of the – I agree. That's the hard thing about comedy is it's not just wouldn't it be funny if blah, blah, blah. It's you're building a scene, you're building a story, and then the funny kind of follows after that. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. I agree. Let's transition a little bit because and move away from just pure improv, and we'll come back to that. But I know you two are both like Stratcom people. I mean, Jono's currently in there. You graduated Stratcom, so both kind of 
advertising people in some fashion or another. And I'm just curious, and you can talk about just the, the job world in general or specifically what you're doing right now, but how has improv affected that? And your ability to think on your feet or think on your toes? I don't know the expression. Yeah, I mean, I've said this like a million times, I feel like, but it's um, maybe not on this podcast, but just in general in life. Like uh, improv is like a great critical thinking tool for anything you do. Like I don't think it applies specifically to advertising and like strategic communication so much as it applies to everyday life. I mean, there's a lot of unfunny stuff that happens in Stratcom when people try and force being funny, like we talked about <laughs> a second ago. But in, in real life, like it is just the ability to think on your feet and become comfortable in uncomfortable situations is like an invaluable tool, which is why I think, you know, things like improv are so important and that and why I think everyone should try improv is because it's, it's like a useful tool, regardless of if you want to be a comedian or anything like that. Like if you, if you just want to gain a little confidence in interacting with people or expecting the unexpected, it's hard to get, um, it's hard to get better than improv. I think. I think, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I say this a lot, but it's like, you know, I definitely, I definitely agree. Um, I think improv is kind of like, I feel like it's like one of the, I feel like it's the easiest form or like maybe the easiest way to practice public speaking, which is something that so many people do and that you're probably going to have to do at some point in your life, you know, is just, is just get in front of a group of people, whether it's a hundred people or 10 people and just be comfortable speaking and just being able to deal with the situation like as it comes, like the, the, the tenant of improv that like, you know, everybody knows is like the yes and or whatever. And I mean, that's pretty much just, you know, it's just you're in a situation and whether you have something planned in your head or not, it's just the ability to accept what happens and just roll off of it. You know, so I think in, you know, in school or whatever for me, I feel like it just, you know, at this point in my life, I feel like I use it the most just in my in my ability to bullshit and to, to talk about stuff that I don't necessarily know a lot about or to just like <laughs> try to come up like I'm in a I'm in like a graphic design class right now and my teacher just like went on this big rant on like the first day of class about how it's like okay, you're going to be turning in like 10 different mock-ups of this design for this prompt uh and then your classmates are going to vote out eight of them and then you're going to take that top two and you're going to turn those two into another 10 and you're going to like do all this stuff and it's just like the biggest thing with this is just idea generation and just being able to come up with stuff off the top of your head like no matter what and just kind of being able to roll with the punches and i feel like it's not like you know improv by like the technical sense, but it's, it's just that critical thinking ability to just keep coming up with ideas. I, and uh, I guess one other little tidbit I would add is like, um, in every situation, like improv people are, it will help you later in life in the job for it. Like you're people's favorite coworker a lot of time, because you are a, like a more collaborative thinker and like the tenant of yes. And is like a very helpful thing to have in a place. that's like a workplace, when you are willing to add on and help like it it's makes you better it helps you be a better part of a team and a better team member by like and you end up like applying those principles of those scenes to your everyday life yeah and i think that's such a underrated piece of improv is the element of a t team and just having trust in your team so like it's almost and this is probably a stretch, but it's almost like a sport where you're not competing with anyone per se, but it's just like the game is trying to keep whatever you're doing. Like you're kind of juggling a ball and you're trying to keep it in the air as long as possible. And if that ball is telling a story, just keep that going as long as possible and hoping that totally. laughs come yeah. out from that. <laughs> I agree. It's improv is the team sport of comedy yeah. of the, like the, it's the only one where you really work with other people instead of almost like, uh, 
your own singular vision or like or someone's singular thought with the sketch. It's like, uh, yeah, it's a soup. It's a soup of ideas. It's it, groupthink is is very big because I mean half of it is like, oh, I'm gonna do my best to be witty. I'm gonna do my best to try to you know make good characters in all of my scenes. But then the other half of it is I'm gonna try to make everybody else look good. Like if I see an opportunity for someone to make a funny joke, I'm gonna like softball. I'm gonna let them take that opportunity. I'm gonna like maybe put myself on the line so that this person can look good because I think that would be a funny joke. Mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. The best improvisers usually aren't, I think the people people would perceive as the funniest it's like there's like some people who are so masterful at setting people up for the right stuff that i am always like they're the people that are right there setting up the home runs that you don't even realize that are like really the best at it right i think yeah yeah well okay this is transitioning back to just teaching and improv if you're teaching someone who let's say they walked into a practice they knew nothing about it what would you do? I mean, and you can obviously explain what you might teach, but like, how would you go about just throwing them in um, and like letting them kind of try to keep their head above water? Um, well, I think that probably the best tool for that whenever I've experienced it is just, um, we talked about short form improv and games a little bit ago. And I think that that's, to me, I think that's the easiest way to get people into it, to like do it in the water, is just because it's like, with long form, you know, as Connor said, it's like, there's there's like no rules, you just kind of do whatever you want. But with short form, the games, like those like tiny sets of rules that just kind of guide you along, really ease you into the process, you know? So I feel like improv is one of those things where it's, if you're going to learn how to do it good it's it's kind of better to do like baby steps and like learn about it along the way than necessarily to just like try to dive right in and try to like do a 15 minute set with people's first lesson i mean I, there's stuff you want to get to really quickly when you're teaching improv but if someone's just walking the door the first time they've never done anything expressing the concept of yes and and that like is definitely the, like it's so played out but it really is just saying yes and then adding to the idea that someone else presents to you and um like not asking questions is the other like fundamental like two things if someone's walking the room and you want to go over two things it's like don't ask questions about what act like you know what's going on and say yes to everything and you are off on a better head start than like you could possibly ask for and then you can get other stuff involved if those people come back like with core like then that's getting the like really like recipes of like improv comedy with like characters um objectives relationships and environment but that's all stuff that you want to help people with in like the coming weeks if it's their first time right yes and like after they've gotten comfortable with the mm -hmm. actual act of just going and improvising yeah because that's hard enough on its own it's just what, being silly. Yeah. What do you think gets in the way of, let's say someone who has been, like knows a little bit about improv, is comfortable performing, what gets in the way of their own, I don't want to say being funny because like we talked about, you know, it's not just about trying to be funny, but what gets in the way of someone doing improv well? Like maybe three things you could rattle off. I can start with one. Um, I think... <laughs> I think I think one thing that I've seen time and time again um, that prevents people from doing good improv is they they get in their own head, you know, is they get in their own head about like, oh, I'm not creative enough. I'm not funny enough. They might get intimidated by other people who have been doing it longer and like who are funny and they're like, oh, I'm like. I don't want to do a scene with them because they're going to be really good and I'm just going to be really bad. Like I've seen, I've seen that happen a bunch of times and I feel like probably the, the best thing to just do is just to remind yourself that it's, it's improv. 
it's it's so low stakes and it doesn't matter at all that just like if you just try to have a good time and cut loose and just let stuff come to you naturally as opposed to like trying to overthink it and like think of something really witty sometimes just like the first random stupid thing that comes to your mind is like the natural thing the easy thing the thing that like other people can build off of rather than like trying to like I don't know, be good. You just kind of be yourself. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think like that overthinking is the number one, like you get too caught up in the idea of the rules that we like just spend a whole bunch of time like explaining about. But like, um, if you're sitting there so like <laughs> focused on those things, like you just kind of have to drill it until it's just something you do a little naturally and you just can't worry like if it's not falling like that, you just gotta, it's changing your instincts to roll with the rules of improv to make it better rather than like forcing it every time. And like, I guess a couple of like being like denial, like walking into like refusal. Like if you come up with an idea, you're feeling like a refusal to get into that group think and to stray from your own ideas. Um, Cause can be like another big setback. Like if you're, you're so convinced and you're so on this thing, you're not really a part of the group. You're doing your own thing and other people are having to navigate around that. And that shows up like a big roadblock in scenes when people see that and it gets in the way you like the audience stops believing that this group is working together or cohesive. And yeah. yeah. Is there anything yeah. else? I mean, I, so those are kind of the two things of being like, wanting it all for yourself and maybe being too shy is there a third because i mean that's best, definitely two ends of the spectrum is there a third thing that maybe is not even on that chart yeah maybe. it's like overthinking fear and that other one we just said which i completely forgot okay. uh but <laughs> all the glory like like if you come yeah. in with a strong idea yeah, too stubborn sometimes yeah like because I mean, I've, I've also seen this a lot where someone like, like being like on the wings, like if you're about to go in a scene and like your friends are on stage and you like see your friend have like a good idea and you see them come on. And like, if someone comes on with like a really strong idea, but it just doesn't take, you just kind of got to be like, ah, fuck, well, my idea didn't take. So I got to roll with it now. Yeah. You, so you got to be able to toss it aside. You can't like keep trying to force that idea or that scene or that bit into it if other people don't immediately respond to it because then exactly like connor said is it's a group of people are doing something and then you're on the outside you, you got to be able to listen too that's like a like that's good you have to be able like it's really hard for people to listen i think and it's like a really valuable tool to actually hear what people are saying will help make everything easier too um and it's yeah People, a lot of people are really bad at listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think that that's one of the biggest, just not even in improv or comedy at all. But, you know, we were talking about the work, being in the workplace and how improv can help. I think that is probably the biggest thing because I think, and even I do, I'm very guilty of doing this, of like having my own idea and someone's giving their explanation and I'm like just building up my own idea while they're talking. And it's like they might have said something that, would have completely changed the direction in a good way, but I was so dead set on my own thoughts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thinking of others is just like not a very natural process for humans. I don't think a lot of times. So I think that's the hardest. Like it's a little bit like swimming upstream sometimes. It, it is the only way to kind of break out of that and actually listen to do. I mean, cause whenever we ha have um, listening workshops, I mean, of course we'll try to spice them up in practice, but there's only so much you can do where it's not the most interesting thing in the world. And it really does feel like, you know, not like a chore, but it's like, I'm doing this to get better at something, not because I'm doing it for the sheer pleasure of it. Is there any, I don't know, strategy to just improve listening skills without it feeling like work? Uh, I don't know. I think improv is a good tool for <laughs> like yeah. when you're listening, like really I do. Um, I think it's just taking, trying to take an active note when of yourself, like it's just, just ref self-reflection can go a long way on, 
on becoming a better listener too and thinking like, oh, did I really hear out what that other person had to say? Just, I, I don't know how to make it necessarily not like work. I just think you just have to treat it as something that's not unpleasant. Like you, it's almost just like you need to reframe your thinking a little bit as like other people's thoughts and ideas aren't inherently bad either. And they're going through the same process you are. It's just, and just, a, just applying that, just knowing what you're going through in your own head is likely exactly what someone else is trying to turn through in their own mind and just being cognizant that we're all trying to navigate things together. But I don't have like, I don't have like a tip or like a way to make it unpleasant. It's just like, not like just acknowledging it and acknowledging that it's hard is the first step I think into being better at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have anything that I was like, I was trying to think like, I, I guess I didn't have any, um, exercises per se but i think yeah go ahead i i think i have one tip that and we've actually started doing this recently and i really like this workshop that we've been doing in practices sometimes where we just set up a scene but at the beginning of it we just designate we're like okay you three people you are the main characters you guys are the people that are going to drive the story you're going to get the limelight you're going to like do all the main stuff. Yeah. It's going to go. And then the other three people is like, okay, you guys, you're the support characters. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you do, but your only job, this entire scene is to make the main characters look as good as they possibly can. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, just like going, you know, as Connor said earlier, sometimes the best people at improv aren't the people that are perceived as the funniest. They're the people that, allow the scenes to work the best um and so you know obviously it's not great to like try to designate like if you're doing like a real scene you know it's not great to designate okay these three people are going to be the main characters these people are going to be the support characters there's got to be a little bit of give and take but like from like a workshop perspective it's good to like force people into that mindset sometimes of like okay don't focus on anything else. Don't worry about anything else. Your only job is to support. And then if you do that enough times, you'll start to get a knack of, okay, this is what really works when I support people so that when you're actually doing a scene on stage, you can be like, oh, this would be a great opportunity for me to come in as a support character. You do it. Everyone works together. You knock it out of the park. Oh, yeah. Like getting people used to if they're kind of taking up the stage, always being the main character, getting them used to what a support character feels like and also how they can really help someone else. And I think at the same time, it works the other way where someone who is always putting themselves in the support role, whether in life or improv, because I mean, it it can be made either way, but saying, okay, you're going to be the main character today. You're going to be the main character in this scene. And... I think it's not necessarily that people are incapable of that and that's why they choose the support role. I think it's just they got so conditioned to think, okay, I'm just the support character or these people are better than me. What? And that's not going to be true because every mm-hmm. scene is different. Okay. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to judge uh, the timing because okay. I want to – so I talked to you both about this at the yeah. beginning before we started recording, but <laughs> I thought it'd be a fun little treat and to kind of spice up the podcast from the normal interviews is to do a audio only set. So instead of just talking about improv, we can actually do a little bit of improv and let me get out. I don't know how long I want this to go and <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to, it'll be very obvious. I'll admit to it if we, um either this may not be used at all or i'll admit if i if we do you're too, doing this you're doing this i know to i'm talking too like much have to use it you like have to use yeah, it i'm keeping all this in it. It okay and we're only gonna do one i was gonna say we could do two and then cut out one but now that i'm saying all this and it's all being recorded we can only one do one done. this can't be one edited done. after this point <laughs> um we'll let it go between 10 and 15 minutes or just in the however we feel and what i'll say is Turn off your cameras just so that we're used to the audio only because obviously the people listening will only have audio. So I think it's only fair if we're 
and the same boat. And we can treat it as a call. Like, that's the scene. We're all on a call for something. Okay. Kind of like what we did with okay. the Zoom Zoom only scene. So we, we're acknowledging that this is like a phone call of some sorts. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, let me see. Is it? I don't think it's easy to change our names on this. But okay, we're just going to roll with it. I'll let it, yeah. I'll keep the time and I'll call a scene, but I want to let it go as long as possible. Okay. And then also after the scene, I do want to talk about it a little bit on okay. camera. Okay. I um, think. This is this is just my opinion. I don't know how this is gonna go. Could be great, you know. I'm an optimist. I think around I think around that like five to seven minute mark. Start looking at the clock. Oh, See if we yeah, I will be. Yeah. I wait. We're I just, just we're just we'll flow until the end of time. Right. And that'll be that. Jana, how about you give us a suggestion? A suggies. Okay. Um. So if this is a if this is a call. Uh, it's going to be the reason that we're on the call. Um, and the reason that we're on the call, uh, the suggestion is... Um, I don't know. Uh, spooky. Spooky. Okay, I got <laughs> okay. it. Spooky. Yeah, I don't know. Hello? Hey, um, hi everybody, um, uh, <clears throat> Mr., uh, I'm so glad, um, this, sorry, I'm so nervous, this, this monthly meeting of, of Halloween Monsters Anonymous living amongst humans, um, could meet today. Um, I'm Casper, uh, I am often known as a friendly ghost, uh, but some days I'm not having my best day. So um, that's me. If everyone else could just introduce each other, that'd be great. Br Brian. My name is Br Brian. Nice to meet you, Brian. Hi, and what monster are you? I'm a zombie trying to change up my diet to be plant-based and well it's not the easiest thing in the world and I sometimes I'll just be walking and blurt out brains and I don't know I guess that's, that's so, why I'm on the call that's so brave of you to share I don't think it's easy for um for a zombie to go around in a mini that and I don't think you should be embarrassed and welcome, welcome. You are welcome here on this call. <clears throat> um, hi there, everyone. Uh, my name is Derek, and I'm a bit of a non-conventional monster. Um, I'm just a guy that goes to the bathroom and doesn't wash his hands. Uh, I wouldn't call myself monstrous, but people call me a monster for doing it. So what can I say? <laughs> Uh, we have fun here, though. We have fun. That's disgusting. <laughs> it's a matter of opinion, but okay, you, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is irresponsible in the time of COVID mm -hmm. to do that. It I is just, It is dangerous. It is, and you're the true monster. And you're the reason why me and people like Brian go around with this stigma just for being undead and eating humans. And dealing with problems with that because you you don't wash your hands. You are the one who's killing people. 400,000 people to be exact, sir. I mean, you're but, really giving us a bad rap. You know, I just, I have eczema and my hands get really dry when I use too much soap. So I just, I don't know. I just don't like doing it. My hands get all wet and sometimes the, the towels don't dry them all the way. So I just figure... I can I can just wash them later, maybe I don't know, but I just I just live free. I don't even care. I I don't even care. Why do you? Why are you? So why are you here on this call? I my because mom, something about you thinks you're a monster. 
I my mom's making me do this. I don't know. I figured it'd be a cool way to meet could some you, other people. Son, could you put your mother on? <laughs> okay, I'll go get her. <laughs> Mom. I'm so sorry, Brian. I know this is a really hard thing for you to be here, and I I'm losing my cool. This is what I get into with my struggle of being the stigma of being the friendly ghost. So sometimes you have to be not nice, and that's that's hard. I mean, I, I don't even blame you in a situation like this. And I, I personally think talking to the mother might be the the only route to go. I mean, I and, don't. Yeah. And, I, you know, it took you long enough. To, and I just know that you have, you know, before in your email, you told me you have you've lost family to COVID. You've lost some of your zombie family to COVID because they're the lungs that they they used to reanimate themselves with the virus just collapsed. And, um, and I think the stigma is that zombies can't die, but I mean, and against your hygiene. I mean, I've seen you wash your hands plenty of times and like, just because your skin's falling off doesn't mean you're a filthy, disgusting person. I mean, if you knew my, my skincare routine, you would, <laughs> I believe it. Oh my God. Know. Yeah. <laughs> um, hello. Hello there. Yes. Um, I'm I'm Derek's mother, and I would um, <clears throat> I I'm the one who's making him come on this call. Um, Thank you for joining us, Mrs. Derek. Okay. Um, Derek, Derek, sweetie, mom, I want it. Derek, no, Derek, please. We can we can talk about that later. Um, yes. Uh, what seems to um be in the uh, the issue here? The issue here that uh, what, uh, what is that? Your son. You're making your your son join this call, but he doesn't seem very. Um, you know, I don't think he views himself as a monster for the, for the risks he's, he's putting people out every day. Um, yes, but please, please believe me when I tell you this, he is, he is an absolute monster to live with. Um, I, I am, I am at my wits and I've, you know, I, I've, I've done so much. We've, we've gone to family therapy. I took him to the family priest. I've tried journaling about it. It's nothing seems to work. So I just, I figured I'd, I'd pair him with, with here. Maybe he'd find some people like him, some some other little monster. You know, it is hurtful, you know. And I can I have sympathy for you living with that freak. Thank However, you. I also I, think I, he is a freak. <laughs> However, I do not have sympathy for you lumping him in with people like us. I am a dead ten-year-old child. I am an undead ten-year-old child. I am not a monster. I did not kill anyone to get here. I merely just had trouble p passing into the next plane. Brian here didn't choose to get the virus. He didn't choose to eat that bad cheeseburger. No. Do yes. you see what we're getting at here? Yes. Derek's mom. I, I absolutely understand. And I'm just, I'm so, so very embarrassed to to do all of this and to, and to put you in this kind of situation. However, um, you know, Derek is just, he's just a run-of-the-mill 17-year-old boy who doesn't wash his hands after using the toilet. Sorry, I we don't like to use the T word here, so I have to be very careful. Um, he doesn't like using the toilet. And, you know, he's just, he's an absolute bear to live with. It's just video games and beef jerky. And I just, I don't know, he's turned into a little monster. So I figured... You know, maybe he makes some friends here, get out of the house, get out of my, you know, I'm life. I'm hearing a lot of reflection from you, ma'am, but I would like to hear it from Derek himself. You're doing a lot of apologizing for him, and I would like for him to apologize to Brian. Brian, at that time, it would be nice. Like, who knows how many people your son has hurt? Just willy-nilly getting getting little turds on his little bum and wiping it with those little sheets of paper and not, go, not scrubbing it off with a little soap and water. Um, I would assume many. He is not. He is, a, he is a disgusting little boy. Not everyone has the luxury of translucent skin. Like I don't have to wash my hands, as I do not no longer pass bowel movements. However, if I did, you bet your bottom, your little stinky son's bottom, that I would be washing my hands. Okay. Well. It seems like it seems like you will have a lot to talk about. So I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna put Derek back on the phone, and um you I hope you kids can play nice. You know we are not 
I am I am actually 127 just because I have an undead child. That's and what I'm getting. Scene. I um yeah, let's talk about that for a couple minutes. And then <laughs> I want to do like one that. I thought that was fun. I like that. And I want to do one more. And I'm not gonna cut them out. I'm keeping all this. But if you guys would want to, I would want to do one more after we talk about that for a second. What what did you think of that scene? Start with Connor. Um, I thought it, I thought it was okay. I think I'm personally a little a little rusty. I haven't done improv with you guys, and I haven't done a ton of improv during the pandemic myself. But um, it was fun. It was fun. They were fun characters to explore. I don't know. I I I enjoyed it. It was a very good warm up. I would say. Yeah, I mean, if I'm being transparent, I just felt like I sucked. And this is not related to just this thing, but I feel like it's such a hit or miss thing of long form improv. And for my me and the character I went with, I just felt like, oh, I'm not getting this back. I, I'm not gonna make a, oh, a stake well, in this. And I'm not. I'm not I just trying wanted. To I just wanted to explore. I just wanted to explore you more, and I was hoping to give us a chance to to set that up more. And I feel like we didn't do a good enough job of giving Brian his time to shine. I don't know what how Brian would have even shown. <laughs> How'd you feel, Jenna? I liked it, you know. I I think for I mean, how long did that go for? That was like nine minutes. Yeah. Was nine you, minutes. you know what I Jonna, what I'm really glad is is I could kind of feel it and I do think it was a natural extension. It was I was really hoping you would come on as like a regular person in this monster support group with yeah. like a regular problem. And then I was like, Oh well, what's the the odd thing about this is like Mm-hmm. like in kind of finding the game of the scene was which was well established was like oh this is like a monster support group for people who use and like this person does not belong here and like the month like just a very like classic like oh these monsters think this regular like personal problem is like much worse and the yeah and that's i think that's one of the most um that's one of the most fun and most like rewarding parts of like a long form style scene is kind of getting to that point where like you find like a game you find like oh this is what the scene is like gonna be all about and if we had you know done a full scene and all kinds of stuff you know brian would have the zombie would have gotten a lot more time to shine and all kinds of stuff yeah and it was that's why i was really trying to set up if we'd had more time since we're doing these like long models and i was really hoping to get to a Derek v brian sort of like yeah conversation to develop there but obviously you know okay if you guys want to would you want to do one more of those and keep it keeping it short um under 10 minutes i felt like that went on for a good amount of time um and you know same thing if it feels like can go longer it will if it feels like it will needs to go shorter it will all right and this time connor can give us a suggestion um, my suggy is, um, fried, fried donuts. Um, hello there. This is, uh, you see, this is, um, this is, Car- this is Carl Franken. And, uh, I'm just calling about the big order of donuts that you placed about an hour ago. Hey, yeah, it's uh, Radio Pete. I'm, are you bringing him to the station, or when, when is that coming? And this yeah. is his sidekick, the Stink. <laughs> hey, Radio Pete and, and the Stink. You know, I'm a big fan. I've been listening for years. Um, listen, I just, I I don't know. There, there, there was a glaze explosion. There's goo everywhere. I'm covered head to foot. I look... Uh, uh, there's goo everywhere. <laughs> I, I, I. Yeah, you see, I just, I mean, this is my life's work. I mean, the, the donut shop, I've sunk every cent I've had into this thing. And, you know, and then it, it goes all kaputs. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent, but I, I just got to tell you that I don't think that what, what, what? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Excuse me, Mister Distinct. Uh, are, are you are, are you demeaning my my sad life's tale with 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 gimmicky sound effects? Wah, wah. 
Oh, you got your donuts broken? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god, this is my wife is gonna leave me. She's I've been trying to hold our marriage together. I spent every last dollar I have into this store and what do you have, Carl? What do you have? You got a shirt full of goop and you got two clowns making funnier making funny over the phone. You goofball. I'll I'll tell you what I'll do for you, Carl. Since you're calling on the air and you were uh, nice enough to be a part of this segment in spite of uh, us not returning your calls before, how about we let in uh, another caller or two and see if maybe they can help you out? What do you say, viewers? Anyone wanted to help Radio Pete and the Sting and this weird donut guy? Am I lying about the air? We got another call. We got another call. I'll step off the mic. I'll step off the mic. We got it right here. <clears throat> Hello? Hello, is this Radio Pete and the Stink? You're here with Radio Pete. Sting had to step out. I'm your strange daughter, sir, Mr. Donut Man. Uh, Kathy? What? And Whoa. I haven't. I didn't know where you were um, for years until I'm sitting right now in the Applebee's off of I 70. Um, and I heard you during my favorite radio segment, Radio the Pete. And I just needed to call in and say I'm out there still. And I'm so, so embarrassed no. that your donut shop is such a failure. Uh-uh. My little blueberry, no. It, this wasn't how you're supposed to see Papa after all these years. I, for you, it is one thing for you not to call. It is another for you not to put together a delicious product to be enjoyed by all. Somebody start the Oscar music, because this is sucking. (laughs) Kathy? All right, let's see if we have any other callers that want to help out Carl the Donut Man. Oh, I'll, I'll step off for this one. <clears throat> the stink's in charge, and when the stink's in town, the stink is pink. <laughs> Caller, you're on. You're on Radio Pink and the Stink. Hey, yeah, is that the uh, donut boy? Uh, yes, yes, it's it's me, Carl Franken. I uh, I I'm I'm the donut man covered in slime and goop. I've got a beef with you, donut boy. You know who you're speaking to. I I I don't. I, I really don't. This is Lenny, the bagel man. Now you We been... got a show down. Now, Carl, in your jelly donuts and your frosty McHoodlewuddles, this, this side of town doesn't have enough room for the two of us. A plain bagel, maybe a little cream cheese. That's all we need. We don't need your fancy McDoodles. Listen, Larry, I know you're a straight-shooting man in this dog-eat-dog world, but listen, I I know I owe you some money, and I I, I know that this is – this is a bad time, but you, you just got to give me another chance. I mean, people love donuts. It's, it's a good investment, I swear. Carl, I want you to look out your window. Mm-hmm. That was me gulping. <laughs> I know. I didn't use any sound effects. That was all you, man. That was all you. <laughs> Did you see what I got in my hand? I, this yeah. can of propane got- fire gasoline and my, and my dog what, what are you gonna do to mr Whiskey? all right and that's all the time we got for that caller um let's go ahead and bring back on radio pete radio pete's back in business baby my life is falling apart in a matter of minutes <laughs> all right all right all right i think we have time for one more caller that was time for one more caller pete do we want to welcome them on yeah let's bring oh, what does that name say something I think it, it just says stinky. 
It just says stinky. Stinky. That's not you playing a, a prank. No man, Stink? I'm, I'm straight serious. When you know, I may be stinky, but I'm upfront about it. What? Who, who is it? Do we need to take the call? I'll take the call. I'll take the call. Yeah, take the call. Let's see who this is. Hello, this is this is Radio Pete and the Stink. Hi, um, I was just calling because this is um, where is Bruce? I'm his mother. Mom, is my little stinky Pete on? Is that you, little stink? This is me. This is me. This is the stink. Oh, I'm so glad to call it on your show, sweetie. Is that is that other man treating you nice, Radio Pete? He, yeah, he's yeah, he's my best friend and and my lover, in fact. Okay. What what am, am I calling on a good segment, honey? Yeah, we're in the middle of dismantling this this man's life, actually, Mom. It's not like the best time. What what's his name? It, it's like Donut Man or something. I don't know. We don't. I love Donuts. He what? Still here. What kind of donuts do you make, honey? Um, all kinds. I make I make glazed. I, I mean, I usually make glazed, but I'm currently covered in all of this sticky glaze resin because my donut shop went kerblooey. I've, I've been known to make an apple fritter from time to time. Do you make any um, uh, raisin bran donuts? Well, for a husky fox like yourself, I think I'd be inclined Excuse to. Excuse me. Who is this? This is the Stink's mother. Well, Mrs. Stink, uh, I just have to say you have you have a lovely baritone voice. <laughs> well, Donut Man, I'd love to um, come get a look at that donut goo. <sighs> There's enough to go around for the both of us right now, I'd say. Let me get your IM information. I just got on AOL.com. <laughs> and scenes. <laughs> and in the end, it was the stink who got stank. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that, that, how did you guys feel about that one? I felt like that one went better. <laughs> that one was fun. I thought they were both fun. Yeah. Maybe I was just being a little um, only focusing on my own performance, just hyper focus on that. I think that one had better give and take between all of us mm-hmm. as opposed <laughs> to the last one. Um, it went I a believe- direction I didn't expect. I definitely was like I, that, that third call. I thought the third caller was going to be a little different because what I was, I had to move on from in my head was I was going to toss out and I'm going to have the stink. It was going to be like a third customer who was like, uh, I like your donuts. It's <laughs> 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 just like, I really like, I eat that place every week. Uh, <laughs> so I wasn't expecting the stinks mother to get on or cause I thought almost at first it was going to be like an estranged daughter of the stinks who also happened to call in. And it was just, I was thinking like, that, but then I'm like, Oh, we did the estranged daughter. <laughs> yeah. But that was fun. Um, yeah, I like, yeah, I agree. I like both of those scenes and I'm glad I was able to, we were able to do that to give kind of a, a taste for improv, even if it is audio only. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a fun little challenge too, not being able to see your guys' faces. Cause that's such a, it's such a visual thing. Improv. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough to do over zoom too, for sure. Absolutely. But as we come to the final moments of the podcast, I'll end with the question I end on all the podcasts with. Can creativity be taught? Why or why not? And I'll start with Jono this time. Um, I think, I mean, creativity is such a, such a broad thing. And I don't know if you can necessarily teach it. I think everybody is creative in their own right. 
whether they think so or not. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if it can be like taught. I don't know if you can teach someone to like be more creative, but I think you can show people how to be more comfortable, like doing their own brand of creativity, you know, cause that can like come out in so many different ways. You can just kind of like show people that like, it's okay to be wacky or like do your own brand of creativity, whatever that might mean, whether it's through like doing art or a medium or like a performance or just like the way you interact with the world. Um, and I think, I think improv kind of like trying to tie it all back. I think improv is a really great way to just kind of open people up to being comfortable in new and different and difficult situations. Um, and I think it's a really good way to show people that like you can be creative in so many different ways that like you know, like, you can do it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I definitely think that's a big thing. Like creativity can take so many different forms uh, that you shouldn't stifle however anyone tries to express that or help them find the best way to do that. And improv is a great tool for that. And you know, I don't think it's something I I, I don't think it's something you can teach it, but it's not really teaching. Someone is finding. I think almost everyone is born with with a sense for it, uh, for a sense of creativity. But I think it can become dulled. So I think it's kind of about finding how to best sharpen your edges for that later in life. Is it? It's something that can kind of slip away from you if you aren't careful. And um, I think it's a really good thing to upkeep it in your own personal life whenever you can. Yeah, good answers for both of you. And with that. I will end the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Connor and Jono. Um, this is fun. And, well, hopefully I'll see some of you guys soon, at least Jono. And Absolutely, yeah. yeah thanks for having us. Maybe when all this COVID stuff's over, we'll do improv in person. This has been Purple Elephant Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll see you next week.